Dear friends, it is going to be all right. It's going to be all right tonight here at the Powerhouse Church of the presumptuous assumption of the blinding light. Oh, blinding light. Oh, light that blinds. I cannot see. Look out for me. Yes, friends, welcome to Pastor Flash's Hour of Reckoning with Organ Leroy at his organ again. And the 50-voice St. Louis Aquarium Choir. I'm Deacon E.L. Mouse, but dear friends, in these days of modern time, when you can't tell the ACs from the DCs, well, aren't we all yearning for someone who can turn on a little stopping power? Dear friends, I mean a smoky glass. Don't you think I mean a lightning rod with which to chase these spooks away? Don't you know I mean our own pastor, Rod Flash? He's been up for a week. But he's coming down. Thank you, dear friends. I'm down. I'm grounded, safe, and sound. Trailing clouds of glory, I'm down. And I'm marching. Yes, dear friends. I'm marching to dinner. Because God Almighty, I'm hungry. Yes, I'm hungry, safe, and sound. And hungry. We're hungry! Of course you're hungry. I'm hungry. We're all hungry, so let's eat. Let's eat! And he said the word. And we ate it. And what was the word? Hot dog! Hot dog, yes, dear friends. A mighty hot dog is our Lord. Ah, the glories of food. The communication of I sure am no cookies. Lots of cherries. jar of mayonnaise. Laughing cow cheese. Oh, Jesus. Why is my mouth dry? I'm so hungry. There's nothing to eat here. Around it by a thin, thin, thin 16-millimeter shell. And inside... It's delicious. I'll bet. That's Arnie's whole beef halves we deliver. Thirsty? That's me. Wouldn't you like some of this old Filipino creamy coming in shorts and quarts? Yeah. And tubs of slaw. Give me two. Sorry, only one tub per family. That's whole beef halves mm. we deliver everywhere. Offer not good after curfew in sectors R or M. They never come up into the hills. This is the Hour of the Wolf news. <sighs> Big light in skies later to appear in east. Sonic booms scare minority groups in Sector B. And there's hamburger all over the highway in Mystic, Connecticut. Good morning. Those are the headlines. Now the rumors behind oh, the news. Here in a satellite report, bounce from uh. Fox 3 is reporter Felix Paparazzi. It's Felix and 
This is George Tyrebiter, Camden N200R. I want to order uh, pizza to go and no anchovies. What? What? Okay, man, you've been talking a lot. Hand him over here. Yeah, you are. And what? Oh, well. Oh, my God, you're still warm. Hey, thank you, covered with uh, Thank you. It's amazing. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With your mouth full, I'll talk. You eat. Okay, I'm eating. And I'm eating. Thank you. Thanking me. Thank you. As you are thanking me. Oh, thank you. Doesn't that change your heart, friends? Don't Certainly you not. feel your heart burning? Oh, I can feel it. Can you feel a change? Uh, are you full? Don't uh, you feel the changes, dear Oh, friend? right on, Dale. Are you changing, I friend? am... Hey! Hey! Thanks for calling Pizza Dude. This is Troy. Can I get your phone number? 476-8122. Okay, you live at 147 Fell, is that right? You got it. And are you Zeke? That's me. Man, you pizza dudes are really on it. Yeah, we're high tech. What can I get you tonight? Okay, I need two extra large pizzas, one pepperoni sausage, the other one pesto, garlic, feta, and artichoke hearts. Artichoke hearts. Okay, gotcha. That'll be 2763. Anything else? Drinks? You guys sell beer? Uh, nope. Sorry. Is that Tell you what, Troy. You driving tonight? Uh, yeah, that's how we do it. Okay, how about you run down to the corner store on your way over? Pick us up a six, no, no, a twelve or something. I think they got Bergie on sale. There's an extra big tip in it for you. What do you say? Uh, I guess we could do that, sure. Better make it a case. Is that it? Well, as long as you're going to be there. Uh-huh. Some smokes, Marlboro Reds, a couple packs. Okay. Call it a cart. You got it. And hell, while you're at it. Yeah. Bottle of scotch. Big or little. Fifth ought to do it. Theme's fine. All right. We'll reimburse you. It's no problem. Yeah, okay. You're a real sport, you know. We'll make this all worth your while. Great. Glad to help. You got enough to cover it? I got a pretty fat bank. It's been a decent night so far. Well, in that case, if you wouldn't mind... Yeah? It's looking like we're going to need some party favors. Yeah, like what? I don't know. I'm thinking maybe a little go fast. Speech? 
Not to put you out, but I know this guy, corner of Cap and 17th, it's totally on the way. I know the spot. I bet you do. How much? I don't know, quarter, maybe half, uh, screw it, it's an eight ball. Okay, so that's two extra large, one pep sausage, one Greek combo, sans olives, a case of burgie, a carton of reds, a fifth of Jim Beam, and an eight ball of meth. You're beautiful. That gonna do it? Yeah, I think that's... Uh, hang on a minute. What's that, Harry? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, Troy. I'm here. What do you think about it, if it ain't too out of your way? Uh-huh. Well, maybe you could take a swing over to the Tenderloin and... I'm listening. You know, pick us up a couple, two or three girls. What do you say? Well... Come on, kid, you'll get your slice. Yeah, all right, no problem. Okay, you're fabulous. I love this kid. Don't mention it. Oh, a Troy? Yeah. Uh, I don't want no crack horse now. You know, bring me something kind of classy. Uh, gotcha. Oh, do you all still got that deal? Uh, which? That 30 minutes or something? Uh, oh, yeah, we, we get in here in half an hour or it's free. Everything? Uh, no, just the pizza, man. <laughs> okay, Troy, you got 29 minutes. I'm setting my watch. Uh, it's not a problem. Uh, thanks for calling pizza, dude. A- hello, who's calling? Oh, Sir, Sir Walter Raleigh from the colony. Yeah, yeah, uh, put him on, will you? Ah, uh, Harry... Pick up your extension, will you? It's nutty walled again. <laughs> hi, hi Walt, baby. G- good hearing your voice. Th- things are fine here, Walt. The uh, a boatload of turkeys you sent us over here last November, they're, they're still here, Walt. Uh, yeah, they're walking all over London. <laughs> See, that isn't a holiday over here, Walt. Just in America. <laughs> You got another winner for us, Sir Walt, have you? Tobacco. <laughs> What's tobacco, Walt? A leaf. <laughs> You've got 80 tons of it. <laughs> you bought 80 tons of leaves, Walt? <laughs> oh, you're, you're beautiful, Walt. You're, you're beautiful. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I don't know if you noticed last time. We have plenty of leaves over here in England. Uh, see, come fall, we're up to... It's a special kind of leaf. It's some kind of food, is it, Walt? No, not exactly. Uh, what, what do you do with the leaves, Walt? Lo- lots of different things. Uh, are you saying snuff, Walt? Uh, and, and what's snuff? You take a pinch of tobacco and you stick it up your nose and, and it makes you sneeze. I, I imagine it would, Walt, yeah. It go, goes over very big there, does it? Uh, yeah, Goldenrod seems to do it over here, Walt. Uh, tobacco has other uses. You, you can chew it or stuff it in a pipe. Or you can shred the leaves, put it in a little piece of paper, roll it up. You don't have to tell me, Walt. You stick it in your ear, right? Between your lips. Okay, Walt. And then what are you doing? You set fire to it, Walt. Harry, you want to get on the intercom? I I don't want the boys to miss this. You you spilled your coffee. What? What's coffee, Walt? It's a drink you make out of beans. You you roast them 
and then you pour them in a cup. You drink it in the morning while you smoke your cigarette. I'm still here, Walt. I'm still here. Look, Walt, I'll tell you what you do. Put some of those on the boat. If you can hook them with a burning leaf, I'm sure they'll go for the bean. I'm with you, Walt. Do me one favor, Walt. Don't call me anymore. Malcolm Turnbull, thanks for joining us. It's good to be with you, Brian. Good evening. Malcolm Turnbull, is your popularity a concern at the moment, do you think? Well, Brian, I've got used to it. I mean, I wouldn't want to be too conceited, but if people want a selfie and they've come perhaps very long distances, it's the least you can do. Prime Minister, I might put that question another way, if you don't mind. Is your lack of popularity a concern My lack of popularity, Yes, yes. I mean, your support in the polls is lower than when you got rid of Tony Abbott. Well, Brian, let me make the point that that wasn't the only reason for the demise of the previous government. And let me make the point that government is certainly not about popularity, Brian. It's about governing. And how's that going? It's going terribly well at the moment. Can I ask you about Tony Abbott in particular? Excuse me, Brian. I'll just get rid of this. It's George Brandis. Hello, George. Yes, George, where are you? I can hardly hear you. I'm doing an interview with Brian Dorr. No, I don't think you can have him replaced. Where are you? What coconut shies? Look, I'll ring you back when I finish, George. Sorry, Brian, I'm terribly sorry. About that was George Brandis. George obviously. Brandis, yeah. What are coconut shies? Coconut shies is just a game, Brian. We just keep throwing stuff and try and knock people over. Is he going well? Yeah, he's been knocked over twice, he tells me. Well, can I ask you about Tony Abbott? Um, excuse me, Brian. Oh, I'll have to take this. It's Christopher Pine. Christopher? What is it? Quickly. Well, when did that happen? Well, Christopher, you deal with it. I'm actually terribly busy at the moment. I'll call you back. What's the problem? Sorry. Um, oh, Joe Hockey's babysitter rang. Why? They've run out of pretzels. Christopher will fix it. He's a fixer. Well, can I ask you about Tony Abbott, as I said? Brian, can Tony- I make the point that Tony Abbott is a backbencher? But, Prime life, Minister- but Just excuse me, Brian. Scott Morrison, what does he oh. want? Scott, what is it? Quickly. How much overdrawn? No, 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 Scott. We've got a deficit. We've got the biggest deficit in the history of the country, Scott. I'll have to ring you back. I'm a bit busy. I'll talk to you soon. Sorry. Scott Morrison. Yep. We've got a problem with the uh, economy. Well, um, <coughs> Brian, you wanted to talk about yeah. uh, Tony well, Abbott. Well, let's talk about Tony Abbott. I'm happy to talk about Tony okay, Abbott. I'll turn this off in a minute. Just a minute. Hello. Tony, what do you want? Prime Minister. Are you watching, are you? Well, I am going to talk about you. You talk about me whenever it oh, suits you, Tony. Minister, I'm going to please. talk about you. Prime Minister, Well, you please. ring him if you want to, Tony. That is your okay. call. I'm not responsible for okay. your behaviour. Prime Sorry. Minister, where were we here? Sorry, don't okay, answer that. that. Just don't answer that. Who's that? Don't answer it. It's Who Alan Jones. It? Don't answer it. Why not? Why, I why don't not? want to go to dinner. I had a big lunch. Does this happen all the time? Yeah, you, Prime it's a Minister? big job. Running a country is a huge job. Can you answer that? No, I'm not. It'll be Alan. No, just I think him we'll I just. A big lunch. I think we'll just leave it there, Prime Minister. He'll be around here. Time. He'll be in the bloody car park, Brian. Now here they are, Smith and Dale. How do you do, sir? Uh, is this the office of Dr. Cronkite? Yes, I'm his nurse. His nurse? Is the doctor sick too? Here, take this chair. Thank you. I'll take it on my way out. <laughs> I don't feel good. I don't know. All of a sudden that I... Oh, doctor, please, doctor. Oh, 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 well, he's dead. I'm going home. Hey, where are you going? 
going? I'm going home. I forgot something. What did you forget? I forgot to stay home. Hey, what are they doing? Hanging a cow in there or what? That's only a little boy. A little boy. Oh, here comes the doctor now. The doctor? <laughs> Pardon me, are you a doctor? I'm a doctor. I'm dubious. I'm glad to know you, Mr. Dubious. I'm not a doctor. I'm still dubious. Uh, Mr. Dubious, have you got any children? I got three beautiful children, a boy and a girl. Three, a boy and a girl. Well, well what's the other one? They're so young, who can tell? <laughs> Well, what seems to be your complaint? I don't know. But before I saw you, I saw another doctor. Uh-huh. He said I had snow in my blood. What did I tell you? He told me I had snow in my blood. Snow? What snow? Nothing. What's new with you? Yeah, no, no. What seems to be your ailment? What I don't know. Every time I eat a heavy meal, I don't feel so hungry after. Oh, I see. That's my problem. What's the matter now? I don't know. I just got a crick on my neck. What do you mean a crick? I don't crick? know. This I can move. Yeah, yeah. But this side I can't. Ah. I don't know. Look, 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 look at this. Look, look at oh, my hand. Look how it's quivering. Here? Look, look, look at how it's moving, doctor. They're moving? That's moving. Did you ever have that before? Yes. Well, you got it again. <laughs> and I got rheumatism on the back of my neck. You don't say. It's a bad place to have rheumatism on the back of my neck. No, where would you want a better place than on the back of your neck? On the back of your neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You go to Mount Clemens for your rheumatism. Is that a good place for rheumatism? Oh, that's the best place. How do you know? That's where I got mine. That hurts me, doctor. I got a pain in the neck. Yeah, you are. Sit down and open your neck. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Mister, please, I got no patience. I shouldn't have been here either. Now look me in the face. I got my own trouble. Oh, for goodness sake. How do you sleep? At how, night? how do I sleep? Yeah. Like this or sometimes no, like that? No. Uh, hey, hey. No, I mean, how do you sleep at night? At night? I can't sleep at night. I walk up and down all night. Oh, you're a somnambulist. No, I'm a night watchman. Oh, I see. I'll just take off the coat. Yes. Take off the coat, my boy. Take off the coat. Take off the coat, my boy. Take off. They call the call. The call is on. Rolling an organ is something. Tomorrow I'll bring you a bubble. Gum. I like that. La de la de la de what are you blowing on this on the centrifuge? I'm sterilizing the instrument. Everybody, everybody gets a sterilizing. Yes, sir. Now let me see. You understand the whole case? Yeah, the whole trouble of the is you need eyeglasses. I suppose if I had a headache, I would need an umbrella. No, no, put on, put on the coat. Yes, put sir. on the coat, my boy. Put on the coat. Thank you for the concert. Now, what do I owe you? Uh, you owe me ten dollars, please. Ten dollars for what? For my advice. Ten dollars for your advice. That's right. Well, doctor, here is two dollars. Take it. That's my advice. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why, you chiseler, you cheapskate, you've come in here, you cockamanian. One more word from you, you'll only get a dollar. Why? That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Duffy's tavern where the elite meet to eat Archie the manager's speak, and Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Guess who's here? Nigel Bruce. The English seminar star. <laughs> yeah, the old English structure with the big bay window. <laughs> yeah, that's the guy, the one with the big corporation. Only in England, uh, in England they call it a limited. <clears throat> Wait a minute, he just come in, I'll call you back. Well, Halley Tone, Nigel, old pipsqueak. <laughs> Hi-ho to Fox and the Beaker of Booze. <clears throat> Uh, pip pip, old bean. Uh, over. <laughs> Roger. Well, old fruit, how are you? Uh, tip top, old bread. Old bread. Would you, would you prefer crumbs? <laughs> well, jolly well put, old boy. Uh, tell me, uh, pray, what do you think of ye, uh, Duffy's Tavern here? Uh, top hole, eh? Rat hole, eh? <laughs> Very clever. Uh, by the way, I understand your English. I wish I could say the same for yours. <laughs> Nigel, please. Oh, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, old boy. It's... Just that you should be more careful with the English language. Don't forget it might be somebody's mother tongue. By the way... <laughs> by the way, what's... What's that smell in here? Uh, just a little smoke going up the chutney. <laughs> Archie, chutney is a sauce. You mean like, uh, Worcestershire? Yes. Don't be silly, Nigel. Who ever heard of smoke going up a Worcester sister chair? <laughs> Archie, I can see that you know your English. Yes, sir, Nigel, from the ground up. Yes, I see. And, and that English you speak? Yeah. I suppose that's the ground up version. <laughs> nope, Nigel, you're wrong. I have lived in London for years. In fact, I was a Rhodes Scholar. Tobacco Rhodes, no doubt. Where did you stay in England? Uh, Essex. What part of Essex? Wessex. <laughs> Wessex is not a part of Essex. Maybe it was Sussex. <laughs> well, make up your mind. Which was it? Essex, Wessex, or Sussex? Liverpool? <laughs> well, it's hard to remember. I keep getting England confused with France. What part of France? Paris? You lived in Paris? If I ain't a parasite, who is? Archie, where did you live in Paris? Please, do not leave us go back to that again. <clears throat> I lived in the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> a penthouse, of course. Nobody lives in the Eiffel Tower. It was very exclusive, just me and a few pigeons. <laughs> yep, I've been to Paris oftener in April. <laughs> ah, Paris. The good old days there, sitting in them sidewalk cafeterias. <laughs> sniffing an absinthe. <laughs> Looking over the aperitifs. 
cashing checks on a left bank. <laughs> you remember the folly bizarre? Do I? You remember the Rue de la Paix? Do I? Remember Montmartre? Do I? Three of the sweetest guys that ever lived. <laughs> Of course, I ain't been to Paris in a long time, but I've been uh, keeping in touch. Postcards, you know. <laughs> uh, by the way, would you care for a bite to eat? What have you got the top? The silverware. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Well, uh, how about a uh, tuppence of tea? Archie, that's a spot of tea. Well, if you want to be sloppy about it... <laughs> Tell me, would you like your tea with or without tiffins? Always with tiffins. Okay, Eddie, two tiffins and slice them. <clears throat> and while we're waiting for the tiffins, may I have a cup of tea? Oh, yes. Pray uh, allow me to dip the bag. <laughs> Ouch, that's hot. <laughs> a uh, soup son of cream, pray chance? Please? We ain't got none. <laughs> You'll have to take Hajimai's milk. Well, that's better than pasturated. <laughs> pasturated? How do you like them English? First they borrow the language office and then they louse it up. Archie, will, will you join me? Oh, pray do. Uh, here you are. How about you? Milk? A drip. Lemon? A squirt. Sugar? A lump. Crumpet? No, just drop it in whole. I think that you're a phony Englishman. What are you pertaining? I am pertaining that you are a, are a phony Englishman. Look, Mr. Bruce, I don't mind when a brother American calls me a phony Englishman, but when an Englishman calls me a phony Englishman, I think it's a pretty lousy thing for a foreigner to say to an American citizen. <laughs> Well, now that it's the year six, what do you think? The year six? Six. This is 19... For you. <laughs> For us, it's six. Six? Yeah. Well, wait a minute. What happened before six? Nothing was happening. <laughs> That's the reason we started counting six years ago. That's when, I... That's when Murph came on the scene. Murph? He's the divine god of our country. What country is that? Delatza. <laughs> Where was he born? In a warm canal. <laughs> he was in a green egg. See, in our country, it never rained. It never rained. Huh? Until six years ago. <laughs> I see. Oh, it hailed, even. And this green egg fell onto the desert. And that was Murph. Uh, well, not yet, until he had. <laughs> He'd come out of there, you should make Captain Marvel look like a weakling. <laughs> All the wise men was bringing them presents. All these wise men came along and bring them presents, huh? Yeah, they brought them all that stuff. Frankenstein and Murph. Frankenstein and Murph. Yeah, he said, somebody there said, be hell a name for the kid. For the kid, yeah. yeah. So they call him Murph. They call him Murph. And he's your god. You better believe it. Well, well, you be by the way, it's only 19 shopping days till Murphmas. <laughs> You'd like him. I'd like Murph, huh? Oh, man, he's got away with the ladies. He it's... don't stink. He never tells no dirty jokes. 
Well, tell me more about this, Murph. Now, what what do you worship, for instance? We're so religious until you get a headache. Is that right? Uh, yeah, you know, we worship aluminum. <laughs> you know, but, uh, we killed there for aluminum. Well, aluminum is a big number. Oh, huh? every year we have our pilgrimage to Pittsburgh. You go to Pittsburgh. Yeah, when they smelt it, the Reynolds Aluminum uh-huh. Company. Yeah. When the smoke is really pouring out, we all drop down to our knees yeah. and pray for peace. Is that right? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> hey, you got any aluminum on you? Do you smoke? No. <laughs> Wouldn't belong to Murph Miss. We'll sit down to a big Murph Miss dinner. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I have roasted Shetland punies. <laughs> That's Shetland ponies. No, these are really small. Oh, they're they're punies. Punies. <laughs> yeah, you put them under glass. <laughs> well, at one time I had seven of them. I said, come on, let's have some day. <laughs> <laughs> do you do? I didn't say that when Murph is around. Oh, no. You can't not. say eat in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a minute. Now, do you do any dating back there? Oh, they told me about it. You know, I had a lot of girls wanted to date me. Yeah. You know, they want to kiss me on the elbows. That's against the law. That, I, oh, that's, I noticed yeah. your elbows are covered. Oh, uh, a patch, yeah. That's oh, my yeah. two-piece outfit, my elbow patch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you, you can't show your elbows in Oh, the boy. If anybody says, look at the elbows on him, oh. you get your head cut off. Oh, yeah. oh boy. But that's not bad. They cut your elbows off. That's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the hang-up with dates that come from fig trees. That's our natural pastime, planting figs. The Russians sold us a million dollars worth of uh, bad seeds. Bad fig seeds. We gave them a whole truckload of aluminum. <laughs> <laughs> No figs. No figs. The Harlem Globetrotters came in, you know, to do a special for us on Murphmas. Yeah? You know, they dribbled around, did a couple back shots, and and, and uh, we gave them uh, some aluminum. They left us some fig seeds. Yeah? Those things come up watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> but I figure, what's, you know, we use it on Halloween. Yeah? We carve them out and make Murphalanners. <laughs> People here are like me. Now, I'm no good in the morning unless I've had that first hot piping pot of coffee. Anyone like that? Oh, I've tried other enemas, but somehow. Just not the same, you know. the morning, I went to the kitchen. My sister made some eggs, so we cooked them. And uh, I uh, went outside, spent the whole day trying to get our neighbor's cat down from the tree. I just couldn't, because oh, I'm a horrible shot. Yeah. I love animals. I have a love for animals that's almost illegal. In fact, I had a cat when I was a kid, cute little cat. Once my cat gave birth to kittens, and my dad took me and the kittens to the lake, and we drowned them. And I was crying my eyes out because I couldn't get them to skip. <laughs> uh, I love animals. Well, live and learn. You know, this reminds me of... Want me to do my tribute to Elvis? Thanks, Elvis. Okay. 
You know who my hero was as a kid? James Dean, huh, boy? Could that guy make sausages or what? I know what you want. You'd like a riddle, wouldn't you? <laughs> What's the difference between a bowl of chili and a urologist? <laughs> One's hot and spicy, and the other analyzes urine. <laughs> I get it now. That is a good one. can save your life. I thought I was being followed by a paid assassin, but the guy's a volunteer. And, uh, well, you know how you're in bed at night and your house starts making noises you don't hear during the daytime? Weird noises, scary noises, like, emo, I'm going to kill you. Well... I remembered that song Whenever I feel afraid I whistle a happy tune And I started whistling And I felt a hand around my neck And a voice said thanks I thought I'd never find you in the dark And the light goes on And there's this guy standing over me with the gun He says take advantage of my little sister Will you? I said sure where is she? <laughs> <laughs> and he shows me this picture of a girl I said, I don't know her He said, look at her again I said, I don't know her And he gets nervous And his hands start shaking And with it, the picture starts shaking I said, oh, now I remember her <laughs> So I said, look I'll tell you a riddle, and if you get it, I'll marry her. But if you don't get it, you have to let me go. He said, why should I? I said, oh, come on. He said, okay. What's the riddle? I, I said, I said, what is it that has four legs in the morning, two legs in the afternoon, and three legs at night? He says, well, the answer is man, who in the morning uh, crawls on four legs because he's a baby, and in the afternoon he walks upright on two legs because he's an adult, and in the evening he's an old man with a cane, and that's three legs. I said, wrong, it's a donkey who has four legs in the morning, and in the afternoon you chop two of them off, and in the evening you glue one back on, and you <laughs> what a moron. So I got out of that one, all right. So, live and learn. <laughs> We're very fortunate today. We're going to talk to one of the world's favorite heroes. We're going to talk to the Man of Steel, Superman. Of course, as you all know, <laughs> the Man of Steel is in reality Clark Kent. Do you mind if I call you Clark? Uh, not at all. I'm mild-mannered. <laughs> when did you first find out that you were Superman? Uh, when I was just a little boy. I uh, used to get ready for bed at night. I'd take off all my clothes and fly away. Uh, I'd fly down to Cincinnati, St. Louis. Uh, one time I flew down to Dayton. Folks had to come down and get me. It took them two days by bus. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Could you tell us about one of your experiences in, in saving someone? Well, yes. Uh, one time I was up in a building and I saw a woman down on the sidewalk. She was uh -huh. uh, just about ready to get hit on the head with a big safe. Yo. So I jumped out of the 12-story window. Yeah, what happened? Well, I broke both my arms and my leg. <laughs> 
and I hurt my hip real bad. And uh, then there was this other time I saw a guy out in the Hudson River drowning. Yeah. So I jumped off the old bridge, jumped uh-huh. in, got him, and just at that time a steamboat was coming toward me. Yeah. I put up my hands, stopped uh-huh. that boat. See what happened? I broke my other leg and uh, re-hurt my hip and bruised my nose a lot. Perhaps you could uh, give us some uh, sample of your remarkable strength. Do you still have to retain that remarkable strength today? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I could lift you up with one hand. Sure, yeah. Uh, all right. Here, let me just... Okay. Uh, let me just... Let me just try and lift you. I'd... Go go right ahead. Now, let me just... <laughs> Wait a minute. Would it, would, would it help if I took off my shoes? No, that's all right. Just uh, leave me. I, I can get it. Don't worry. Don't, right. don't push me. I... Could you take the change out of your pockets? Hey. Uh, well, I could have had forget, it, you know. Yeah, I know. But just all right. Uh, I was wondering, too, if you could still uh, fly. Well, yeah, but just on weekends around the living room. A little bit. <laughs> Take a little dip around the couch. <laughs> Tell me, how is Lois Lane? Uh, she broke up. Oh, you don't see her anymore? No, she broke up. Oh, I don't understand. Well, we used to have this little act. We'd uh, work out at fairs in the summertime, mm-hmm. get a little extra money. Had yeah. a 200-foot tower, and she'd jump off it, and I'd catch her, and... Uh, this one summer, she jumped off, and I missed her, so she, she broke, broke up. Yeah. Are you still able to do any of your remarkable tricks? Well, sure, yeah. I still have all my strength and everything. As, mm-hmm. Well, as a matter of fact, I've got a gun right here. If you'd like to uh, just kind of take a shot at me. It's only a twenty-two, but uh, just point it right at my chest and uh, let me have it. Sure, just go right ahead. Just point it right at the old chest, and I'll show you. Go ahead. Just shoot it. Go right ahead. Right, right in the center of your chest. Right. Mmm. Uh, Superman? Uh, su- Superman? Oh, my, oh, my goodness. Gee. I got him right in the ass. <laughs> hey, man, did you hear the one about the... <laughs> Good evening, my friends, and welcome once again to the Bit Slap. And it looks like we have a lot of survivors from last week's Devil Show. Um, but I think that uh, I think probably it's because Satan is like the rest of you. Um, in in that he listens at his own schedule, you know, and he may not get to it for a couple of weeks. At which time he will probably turn me into a newt. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll keep you posted if and when that happens. Start with the Fireside Theater. Let's eat. From uh, Don't Crush That Dwarf. I don't think I've ever played that as before in its entirety. Anyway, maybe I have. Too bad. You heard it again. Pizza Dude from uh, the White Noise Radio Theater, whoever they are. Bob Newhart. A call from Walter Raleigh about the wonders of tobacco. Uh, running a country is a really big job from Clark and Daw. You can see how that goes, uh, especially if you have a phone, uh, which I do now. I took my, uh, I just got a new. Uh, Smartphone. Couldn't stand it. Burn it back. I got a flip phone now. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Luddite. What can I tell you? Smith and Dale, speaking of Luddites, that was Dr. Cronkite and his only living patient. Not sure if that's actually Smith and Dale or an, an imposter or something else. I don't know. Uh, Flatbush on the Thames was Ed Archie Gardner. Um, and then we heard from uh, Hudson and Landry. 
Bob Hudson and uh, ah, Landry, right? Yeah. Uh, and that was Murph Almighty. Those guys are a riot, I think. And then we heard from um, Emo Phillips. A couple of things from him. He's a random kind of guy, like, uh, you know, a lot of comedians are. But uh, if you were lucky enough to see Weird Al, you saw Emo. And Emo, I think, is a revelation and a comedy genius. Uh, I didn't give much thought before I saw him, and there you are. Anyway, Superman was uh, Tim Conway and uh, Ernie Anderson there. Uh, Ernie Anderson, you might know better as Goulardi from the radio and stuff. And uh, that was called Superman. Okay, we're going to hear from them again shortly. But in the meantime, we got some more stuff here, including a word from our inevitable sponsors. So please hold on. Hello, dear friends. This is Eric Burton. Yes, they did take away our music. But now you can have it back on these three wonderful voice prints of the 60s. All your magic memories of flying over the music capitals of the world will come rushing back with the first twang of a lead guitar. Now listen to all the monsters of the 60s at once. The Rolling Who, Derek and the Taylors, Clive Beetle, Bing Crosby Stills and Ogden Nash. Songs like, I've Got My Hand on Your Mouse, Helicopter 59, Tight Shoes, I'll Be Gumping You, and hundreds of others. Goodness gracious, great God Almighty, it's like having now right in your living room. So don't wait till the midnight hour. Send 15 seconds in code or credit to Rock and Roll Memory Bank, Hong Kong, New York, York of uh, unrelated thoughts here tonight, non-sequiturs, a group of jokes that have nothing to do with each other. So don't look for a theme, okay? Can I hear a little more house? I'm not hearing myself as well as I'd like, but I guess it's all right. Yeah, and some of these things you might know about, the, the new roach spray, there's a new roach spray on the market. It doesn't kill the roaches, but it fills them with self-doubt as to whether or not they're in the right house. Here's a little fun you can have. Go into a gift shop and ask for your gift. <laughs> Just tell them I saw your sign, I came in for mine. Save you people the trouble of looking for me. Doesn't impress them, but it keeps them on their toes. Some people see the glass as half empty. Some people see the glass as half full. I see the glass as too big. <laughs> ah, very nice. Here's something you don't hear too much. Dad, you really ought to drink more. <laughs> the wisest man I ever knew taught me something I never forgot. But although I never forgot it, I never quite memorized it either. So what I'm left with is having heard something really wise that I can't recall. <laughs> Do you ever have chicken at lunch? And then you have chicken again at dinner? And you wonder if the two chickens knew each other. You know you have a drinking problem when you walk into a bar in Pittsburgh and wake up in Switzerland with a clown suit on. <laughs> and this is something you might have read in the newspapers. This was in every news source uh, last six or eight months ago. This is about that census they had in the year 2000. They actually said in the newspaper that uh, during that census, 1.6% of the population was not counted. How do they know that? <laughs> I think they left something out of that story. 
You know how you get out of jury duty? It's easy. Tell the judge the truth. Tell him you make a terrific juror because you can spot guilty people just like that. <laughs> tell him it all depends. Tell him it all depends on how far apart their eyes are. You'll be on that bus before you can say justice sucks. I was in a public restroom the other day. I had to use the handicapped stall. When I came out of the stall, some guy said to me, Are you handicapped? I said, Not anymore. <laughs> ah, thank you. I was watching ESPN the other night. They had on the women's 200-meter breaststroke. Well, I had never seen a woman with 200-meter breasts. So I stay tuned most of the evening. You know you're in a small town when the restaurant closes at lunch so the waitress can go home and eat. Suppose a guy is really, really stupid and he becomes senile. How do you know? That would be something you could ask a guy like that. Here's a little fun you can have. Stand on line at the bank for a really long time. When you finally get up to the window, just ask for a change of a nickel. <laughs> they actually call other tellers over to look at you. <laughs> that is true. This is true. In 1830, in England, William Huckison became the first human being ever to be hit by a railroad train. Wouldn't that make you feel kind of stupid? I mean, here for thousands of years, we have no trains. Suddenly we have trains, you get hit. Don't you think he should have been able to keep track of just one train? I'm sure everyone knew exactly where it was. Apparently not. You know you're in the wrong store when you look on the wall and see one of your personal checks displayed as the reason they don't take personal checks. If you had only one tooth left, would you brush it for a really long time? Just to be on the safe side. Here's how you get rid of counterfeit money. Nobody knows. You get rid of counterfeit money, put it in the collection plate at church. Yeah, they don't care. They give it to blind people. My mother was a woman of rare common sense. She once said to me, if the shoe fits, get another one just like it. I've tried to live my life that way. There's something, uh, a lot of people don't know this. George Washington's brother was the uncle of our country. <laughs> tell, that, tell that to your kid. Tell him to tell the teacher that. He'll be home way before 3 o'clock. <laughs> you know what would be a lot of fun? To be a contestant on Jeopardy and just never buzz in. <laughs> just stand there half an hour staring at the other two people. Wave to Alex. Wave. Hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. Your family would be mortified. More fun you can have. Go into a gun store. Buy a gun. Then buy some ammunition. Then ask them if they have any ski masks. Deeper and deeper and deeper sleep. Look at the candle I'm holding in my hand. Look at the wax you're dripping on my dress. May I point out you're breaking the trance? May I point out I just got it back from the cleaners. Here, here. Don't be impertinent to the hypnotist. Know your place. 
Now we're going back in your life. Back like the pages in a book. And when I next talk to you, you will be a little child. Now you're a little child, and you were able to answer my questions. Just rest and relax. Do you go to school? Mm-hmm. Who sits in front of you? Nobody. I pinch. I uh, see. How old are you? What could I be? What? Seven, eight? All right. Do you have a favorite subject? Music. I see. Music appreciation? Yeah, I appreciate Stan Kenton, Brubeck. All right. Shorty. All right. Just rest and relax. Weekends, I play flugelhorn, like... Uh, let me point out, you're under oath here. Don't knock it. I got a great lip. I'm not knocking it. Like... I'm not knocking it. But now we're going back through time and space, back to another life. Who's blowing hop there, man? To another life. And when I next talk to you, you will be in some other time, in some other place, and you will be able to answer my questions. Now, what is your name? Bridie. Bridie what? Hammerschlagen. We interrupt here to point out that Goldie Smith's real name is not Bridie Hammerschlagen. It is Goldie Smith. What is the year you live in? 280. Where do you live? Two miles from Rome, out of the high rent district. Yeah, I see. And what do you do? I'm an usherette at the Coliseum. Keep moving, please. Don't block the gladiators. Immediate seating in the lion pits. How's that? Weekends, I make book on the chariot races. Yeah, I beg your pardon? Ben here looks good in the fifth. All right. Now, what is the name of, uh... You say Ben Hur looks good in the fifth? Believe me. Oh, what am I talking about? Chariot racing is extinct. Don't tell Ben Hur. He just bought wire wheels. All right. We have time for one more regression. Look into my eyes. No, you look into my eyes. What's that? Deeper and deeper sleep. Yeah. You're going back to another life in some other time. Now... What is the year you live in? 1836. What is your name? Davy Crockett. Too bad you won't be alive to cash in on the royalties from the Davy Crockett hats. How do you know? In my next life, I may be Walt Disney. Hello, Doctor. Oh, I'm so anxious today. I really am. I... I... I had the most incredible night. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I can't tolerate it. Tell me about it. Oh, the most depressing thoughts. A feeling of such doom, Doctor. Such loss. Yeah. It's as though I've lost something. I'm not sure what. Something that was very close to me and that I... I'm, like, grieving. I don't even know for what. Tell me about it. Sorry. Tell me about it. There's this feeling of despair, as though... When did you did it start last uh, last sorry, last night? Yes, so, uh, almost about an hour after I left you, I suddenly I was making dinner and so I just, oh, it was after you left here. Yes, I didn't even care about anything. Remember, we were we were working out my feelings toward my father and yes, and my anger at him. Oh, I do remember very well. And of course, there was a a fee that might it might help if you just held your breath. Thank you. Go ahead. And there was a feeling, I don't know, I was ashamed when I left you. I'm not sure what I was ashamed of. Did it work? 
think so, yeah. But you were ashamed, yeah. And uh, I am not sure what I was ashamed of. You have to hold it longer. Yeah, right. I'm not sure what I was ashamed of. I Then as I went home, I remembered an incident that happened. Strange incident. Mm-hmm. My father had been sick a great deal of the time when I was a child. Yes, you mentioned that. And uh, we'd taken care of my mother, Head and I had. And one day he was feeling very ill. And my mother, of course, Sorry. had to work. Do you have any water? Yeah, I'll try some more. My mother, of course, had to work, and uh, she supported us. And my father was very sick, and he asked me if I'd stay home and take care of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I didn't want to. I wanted to go out and play. And he, uh, you know, if you held your breath while you drank it, and sip it very slowly. All right, I'll try that. Yeah. And uh, oh, where was I? Anyway, I wanted to go out and play. And my, <laughs> My father was, don't take such big swallows. Mm. And my father, uh, I was very sulky to him. Yeah. And uh, I went, he told me he was very sick and I... I How long had he been sick? Oh, he'd been sick for about two or three months. Mm-hmm. He uh, was an ill man. Mm-hmm. But I went out and when I came back, there was an ambulance. Did you choke on the water? It's all right, go on, there was an ambulance. Uh, easy to swallow the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, and they had, uh, he had gotten very sick and they were taking him to the hospital. And when my mother was very angry, and yeah, she asked, my father hadn't told her that I'd gone out and play. She, he had told her that I'd gone out for him on an errand. He lied mm, for me. Yes, and I, yes. I felt so guilty. I'm, you know what I you mean? feel guilty. You feel guilty now, don't you? Do you have a paper bag in the office? Yeah, I'm going to try that. Go on, tell me about guilty. Nothing, it's just obviously it felt so guilty. No, you know, sick as he was, he lied for me. I just... It kept that memory for years, and, but buried somewhere, and I remembered it yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's all pale. Yesterday, what brought it up, what brought it up yesterday? I was going to tell you, didn't work, huh? No. I saw how, uh, how pale Ben looked, and I... Terribly sorry. And, sorry. and I, I... He was pale yesterday? Yes. Yeah. And suddenly, for some reason or other, I wanted to go <coughs> somewhere. Doctor? Yeah. Yeah! Oh, yeah! <gasps> well, that may have done it. I think maybe. Wait a minute. Did you have my fingers crossed? Yes, I think so. <coughs> oh. oh. I'm sorry. Well, you really tried your best, Miss Blue. I really did. I, I, I failed, but I tried. I'm afraid your hour is up. Oh, all right, Doctor. I'm, I'm awfully sorry. I couldn't do what Not it. at all. Not at all. I'll see you tomorrow. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now, class, today, today we're going to talk about Cleopatra, Queen of the Nile. <laughs> now, I know how you've all heard how she was a beautiful woman. Well, now, she wasn't a beautiful woman. She wasn't a beautiful woman at all. I mean, she is all right. <laughs> but she wasn't beautiful. Now, you're going to ask me, if she wasn't beautiful, how come Julius Caesar and Mark Anthony and everybody went so crazy over Well, you'll have to remember that Julius Caesar and Mark Anthony were soldiers and overseas. <laughs> now, now how, how Julius Caesar met her how Julius Caesar met her, 
he used to go down to Egypt every Fourth of July. <laughs> See, and he was down there spending the holidays. <clears throat> and he was, he was just set, sitting around in his tent one night by himself, lonely, reading prescriptions. <laughs> and she come walking in. And he was so struck by her that he just got up and gave her his seat. And he says, he says, he says, Ars mutatis longa vita mutandis brevis. And that means, as sure as a vine twines around the stump, you are my darling sugar lump. <laughs> Even in high school, he is good at verses. <laughs> and anyhow, they got to fooling around after supper. And he asked her to marry him. And they did. They got married. And he took her on back to Rome. And, and everybody got mad at him for marrying her. The senators there in Rome, they finally got so mad at him that they killed him. They caught him in an alley one night and stabbed him right in his toga. <laughs> And that's when, when Caesar said that famous line, just as he was dying, that famous line you might remember, he said to Brutus, he says, et tu, Brute? And Brutus says, yeah, me too. Now, it happened, it happened, there was this fellow, Mark Anthony, that was living there at that time, and he was an old army buddy of Julius Caesar's, and he was a pretty big man with the civil service. Now, he killed all the senators. And it happened, you know, to get revenge. And it happened that he was going to go down to Egypt anyhow. And while he was there, he thought he'd just stop in on Cleopatra. And he told her how he had killed all the senators. And she said how much she appreciated it. And they got to liking one another. And first thing you know, there's Dayton. <laughs> there was. There, there's riding around on camels and sailing around on her barge and fooling around back of the pyramid. <laughs> In fact, somebody wrote on one of the pyramid walls, Anthony loves Cleopatra. It was right next to where somebody else wrote, Pharaoh was here. And, and, and everything, everything was going good for him. Everything was going real good. But Mark Anthony had a wife in Rome, and she wouldn't give him a divorce. And it happened that her brother had just been elected emperor of Rome. And he come in one day, and he says, Sister, he says, you know what I'm going to do? She says, what? He says, I'm going down there and declare war on Mark Anthony and Cleopatra. And she says, would you? And he did. He went down there and was just a whooping the fire out of him. There's dead Egyptians laying everywhere. The streets was full, tombs was full, and he run all over Egypt looking for somebody to, to run him through with his sword, and, and everybody looked like looked at him like he was a nut, and he was peculiar. <laughs> he couldn't find anybody to do it, so he run himself through and he expired. <laughs> And, and Cleopatra, she heard of it, and she had this snake, just a little old bitty thing, but poison. And that thing bit her, and her maid run in, her handmaiden, and says, Mistress, mistress, what happened? And she says, snake bite. And she says, well, what you do? You cut it where it bit you and suck it. <laughs> she says, no, I meant to. And she says, why, old mistress, why? And she says, in articulo mortis. Now, that's that famous saying. In articulo mortis. And children, I hope all of you remember what that means. 
Because I certainly don't. <laughs> I've got a viper in this box, you know. Uh, really? Um, good gracious me. Oh, yes. It's not an asp. Oh, good. Looks rather like one, but it's not one. No, I wouldn't have an asp. No, I, I suppose not. Some people can't tell the difference between a viper and an asp. More fool them, I say. <laughs> yes. Right. Cleopatra had an asp, I am. Yes, well, I'm glad of that. I don't want one either. I'd rather have a viper myself. Yes, well, that's all right then, isn't it? No, it's not that they're cheaper to run, because if anything, a viper is more voracious than the asp. <gasps> My viper eats like a horse. <laughs> like a horse, eh? Yes, I'd like a horse. I could do with horse. Nothing against horses. But mind you, I could never get a horse into a little box like this. Yes, that, that would be a bit difficult. No, no. Couldn't cram a horse into a little box like that. It's not a horse box. A viper, yes. But a horse, no. I realise that. But it's just about right for a viper, this box. Or an ass. Oh, yes, yes, quite good. It's no good for a fish. Because you'd have all the water seeping through in no time. It's only cardboard, you see. It's not waterproof. Yes, I see. Oh, no. They haven't waterproofed cardboard yet. Or if they have, they haven't told me. Or if they've told me, I've forgotten one of the two. So it's no good for a fish. I wish it was, but it isn't, so there it is. It's no good for a fish. I haven't got a toad in here, if that's what you're thinking. You wouldn't catch me with a toad. I can't abide toads. Ugh. Vipers devour toads, I'm glad to say. Serpents hear through their jaws, you know. It's the bone structure that does it. Oh, yes, there's no doubt about that. Oh, good gracious, yes, it is the bone structure. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, well, I, I suppose it would be. I haven't got a bee in here. I don't know why you think I've got a bee in here. There's no bee in my box. You have a listen. You'd soon hear it buzzing if there was. You can't hear no bee, can you? Uh, I, I, I quite believe you. Uh, no thanks. No thanks? There's no fangs on a bee, if that's what you mean. I've never seen a bee with fangs. Vipers have fangs. They're very fangy creatures, so as. I said no thanks, not fangs. Not fangs. No, no, not fangs. No, no, not fangs. No, bees never have fangs. You'll find they sting, but they never bite. No, serpents bite and bees sting. That is the way you tell the difference between a bee and a serpent. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I haven't got a stoat in here, if that's what you're thinking. Some people think I've got a stoat in here. They are completely wrong. I haven't got a stoat in here, not by a long chalk. I can't say I'll fancy stoats, neither. I'd rather have a viper. They're easier to rear. Oh, yes, they're easier to rear, all right. Need you ask? I'm trying to read the paper. 
Would you please be quiet? Bees aren't quiet. Bees buzz. But vipers are quiet. Listen, there's no noise from my viper, is there? Eh? You can't hear any noise from my viper, can you? I wish you'd shut up. Oh, yes, it's shut up, all right. Don't worry. You wouldn't catch me letting a viper loose. Oh, no. Where are you going? I'm moving, if you don't mind. Why? I don't see where you want to go. There's plenty of room in here. It's not as though it's an ass. If you must know, I'm finding your conversation a bit of a bore. Bore? Was that a bore, you said? Yes, bore. B-O-R-E, bore. There's no bore in my box. I don't know why you should have thought I've got a bore in here. I haven't got a bore in this box. Good gracious, no. I can't abide bores. It's a viper, all right. It's not an asp. Now you can get every record ever recorded. <laughs> Yes, in this one-time-only mixed bag special, every record ever recorded. From the same people who brought you hits of 51, 52, Hungarian love songs, songs that begin with the letter P, every possible combination. Every record ever recorded. We mean literally that. Every record ever recorded since recording began. We drive a truck to your house and deliver every single record ever recorded. You get classical. Ich habe genug, Kantata 82 by Bach. Ich habe genug. Johnny Cash, I walk the line. Lithuanian language records. Sesu, yes. Sesu, yes. Sesu. Chances are I want to know. Yes, every record ever recorded. Plus, if you act now, an ice crusher. <laughs> How do you do? My name is Conrad Jarvis, and I've been dead for six years. But this record offer is so spectacular, I had to come back to tell you about it. Mr. Blanfeddy? Yes, you phoned me a couple of days ago, wasn't it? Yes, my secretary made an appointment. Yes, uh, would you like to sit down? Can I take your coat and hat? I think I'll keep it on. It's not exactly overheated in here, is it? <laughs> well, uh, take a seat, anyway. Thank you. Yes. I understand you teach the piano, do you? Uh, yes, I do, yes. Could you teach me? Well, I've been teaching the piano for five years now. I don't see why you should be an exception. Have you had any musical training before now? I've had no formal musical education, but I have a certain sort of instinctive feel for it. I'm a very rhythmical person. Aye, aye. All my family are very rhythmical. My mother was very rhythmical before me. And I know the basic things about the piano, the notes, the white ones, the black ones. The black ones play louder than the white, don't they? That much I know. No, somebody's been leading you up the garden path there, I think of it. Uh, you can get the same amount of volume out of the black and the white ones. There must be some reason for them being black and why, surely? Well, I suppose the same reason why some people are black and others are white, you know, but there's no colour bar on the piano, the black and the white nestle here together, you know. Mr. Ben Ferry, I'm paying you to be a musical tutor, not a comedian. Can we start? Um, aye. Aye, aye. Um, there's one thing I ought to bring up. is the sordid subject of money. There's nothing uh, sordid about money, Mr. Ben Ferry. No, I suppose not, but I always get a bit embarrassed about it. Uh, the thing is, uh, my lessons are a little expensive. Um... Seven and six and a half hour. I think I can run to that. Oh, that's all right. I didn't want to embarrass you, you know, later no, you on. Won't. No, fine. Well, right, where shall we start? Well, I think, first of all, learning the names of the notes is most important. For instance, this is sort of generally accepted as the sort of middle of the piano. You see, middle C, and it goes up in alphabetical order. C, D, E... Yes, I don't like that very much, Mr. Blanford. It is a bit complicated starting in the middle. Couldn't we start at the end here? <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, all the way up there. Then it'd be quite easy. You'll just shout out the numbers and I could poke my fingers in the top. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 
like that. Six, seven, eight, nine, twelve. Get yourself in a bit of a tangle. I right think it's a bit unorthodox. It may be unorthodox, Mr. Blanfetti, but I'm in a bit of a hurry. Let me explain one thing. Tuesday fortnight is my wife's birthday. Aye, aye. And I'm very anxious to surprise her with a little sort of musical treat. And I thought it'd be very nice if I could have learned something. And while she's having her birthday breakfast upstairs, champagne, flowers, cakes, that sort of thing, she could hear the music wafting up the stairs. There's one particular piece of music she's very fond of, which I'd like to get sort of mastered for then. Beethoven's Fifth. Could we do it? <laughs> You're familiar with it, are you? Beethoven's Fifth thing? Beethoven's Fifth Symphony by, yes. by Tuesday Week. Tuesday Week, yes. If you can concentrate on that and get at that out of the way, and well, on something else later. It'd be very nice, but it'd be a bit of a miracle if you could do that by Tuesday. Uh, I mean, I could probably get you Blackbird Gavotte with one hand under your belt by next Tuesday Week. Mr. Blanfetti, I'm not interested in Blackbird Gavotte with one hand under my belt by next Tuesday. I'm interested in Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Let's get on with it. It's not going to be easy. Well, I don't know. It's a bit difficult, really. I mean, uh, it's an orchestral piece, really. You need an orchestra. For it, you I've see? got an orchestra, Mr. Blanfetti. I bought one last Wednesday. <laughs> got in a merger for tax purposes, and I'd like to play with the lads. You know, a nice group of people, a few harps, double basses, and things. I'd yes, like to well, join in. Doesn't really matter if you've got the Welsh National Philharmonic in the backyard. You know, it's not a piano concerto; it's a, a symphony. You, there's no piano part in it. Mr. Blanfetti, if it's my orchestra, I'd have thought I could come in with what instrument I like at what time I like. I'm sure they'll see it my way if we can put a piano in just like that. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. That's it. Mr. Stigwell, I must uh, tell you that, you know, some things are a little impossible. Nothing is impossible, Mr. Blanferry. Let me tell you a few things about myself. I was born with nothing in a minefield. I had a straw in my mouth and that was all. From that, I've worked my way out to my current position. I'm a millionaire at 31. I have the largest jute-importing business in the world. And how did I get it? Through integrity, strength of mind and physical fitness. Don't tell me I can't master this. Well... Mr. Stigwell, let me tell you that however rich you are, I can't accelerate the process of musical tuition. How much I, money do you say? I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't buy musical talent like a pound of sausages. How much money did you say you charged? Well, I charged seven and six and a half hour. I'll pay you 50 guineas a half hour. Let's get on with it. Mr. Stigwell, I don't think you understand. I can't be bought. I'm not some sort of a musical harlot. Goodness, do you, boy, 50 guineas an half hour? Don't you think that isn't tempting now? I mean, I could be sunning myself in, in the Bahamas, couldn't I, for 50 guineas an half hour, instead of living here on seven and six and a half hour in a pokey two-room flat in Upminster with my wife and baby screaming upstairs after bloody day? But there's such a thing, Mr. Stickwell, as integrity. I don't suppose you've come across that in your checkered career, have you? Look, boy, if I pretended I could teach you Beethoven's Fifth by Tuesday week... I'd be telling a lie, and I can't afford to do that. Not for financial reasons, Mr. Stigwell, but because of self-respect. And that, my boy, is more valuable to me than 50 guineas an half hour. There you are, I bet my say. You might as well go now. We've got nothing more to discuss. First class, Blanfetti. Nobody's spoken like that to me for years. I like your style. I like the cut of your jib. Integrity, that's a valuable thing, and I'm willing to pay for it. I'll give you 100 guineas an hour. That's more like it, boy, now. You'll find the black nose play a bit louder than the white one. Yeah. You know, there are a few of us who realize that there are other countries besides the U.S. and Russia and France and so on uh, that are also in the race for space. Now, I imagine, for instance, that a few of us realize that Switzerland 
has entered the race. And it was just last month, as a matter of fact, that Switzerland launched its first astronaut, and he's our guest tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, the first Swiss astronaut, Dag Herford. Mr. Herford, what are the qualifications for becoming a Swiss astronaut? Uh, how were you selected, I mean? Well, uh, I was number 37. Number <laughs> 37. I, I don't understand that. Though. Well, uh, I was in line in a meat market uh, to be waiting on. <laughs> and a guy came in, a Swiss guy, and he oh. said, uh, we're going to start a space program. So he took uh, 30 through 37 in the line. Well, that seems like a very strange way to do things. Well, that's what I thought, too, you know. But uh, 38 said, gee, go ahead, you know. Uh, all you got to lose, your place in line, you know. So. Well, uh, selecting at random like that, what kind of people did you get? Well, we got some pretty good people, surprisingly. We got uh, six guys, and uh, we got an old lady who was returning a pot roast. And, uh, she worked out real well. I understand your first rocket was much smaller than ours. Oh, yes, yes. Our first rocket was uh, just about a foot long. Well, that was small. Yes. Was, was it a success? Well, no. Unfortunately, when they uh, went to launch it, it uh, fell off the launching pad and hit a photographer in the knee. <laughs> Uh, one of the guys ran out and stepped on it and then crushed it right there. We were pretty happy that nobody was in it. Yeah. Was that the only rocket you lost? Uh, pardon? Was that the only rocket you lost? Oh, no, no. Uh, we lost the next two, as a matter of yeah. fact. Uh, the scientist took him home on the weekend to work on him, and his dog buried him. <laughs> kind of out of luck there. We were real disappointed. Could we get into uh, manned space flights? Uh, uh, what did you feel like, for example, getting into the rocket for the first time? Uh, well, you mean getting on the rocket. You mean you get on the rocket? Yeah. <laughs> it, must, it must have been kind of difficult uh, getting on the rocket. Oh, you know it. Uh, boy, I'm telling you, uh, those first couple launchings were murder. <laughs> then they finally filed those points off. See? <laughs> you should have seen that old lady with the pot roast go up. Have you had any successful launching? Well, yes. As a matter of fact, I was a participant in the first successful launching as far as uh, speed was concerned. Speed. We went uh, 17,000 miles an hour. That's fabulous. How yeah. far did it go? Well, unfortunately, we did lose out in the uh, distance. It oh. only went uh, 38 feet. <laughs> 17,000 miles an hour and only 38 feet? Yeah, I uh, barely had time to say, gee, what a nice view. And then we hit the laundromat. The laundromat? Yeah. You must consider yourself pretty lucky. Oh, I sure do. Boy, they could have given me a ticket, but they just gave me a warning. <laughs> Has this venture brought you any popularity? Well, yes. As a matter of fact, uh, since we came here to the States, uh, five of the astronauts and myself have participated in some commercials, so we yeah. made a little extra money. Uh, all of us took the pest test. Well, tell me, just out of curiosity, after you did take the pest test, uh, did you have fewer cavities? Well, uh, I don't know about that, but uh, four of us had to go to the hospital. Our arms stuck to our sides. <laughs> I don't understand. With uh, pe pest as a toothpaste. Yeah, well, they should have told us that. We thought it was a deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being with us, and good luck in your race for space. Well, uh, gee, don't thank me. Thank Tony's Meat Market. He's the one who's sponsoring us. <laughs> Time once again to go back to the launching pad at Herkimer, New York, for what we hope to be, or hope will be, a successful launching of 
Uh, the good Professor Grogan's satellite. Wally Blue is standing by there now. The countdown has reached, I think, 29 or 28. So come in, please. Wally Blue. Ork, this is Radio's Wally Blue, and we're standing next to the satellite, which is in a moment to be manned by Professor Grogan's, and uh, he will make his attempt to launch the sphere into its orbit. We hope to be able to cover it. Uh, for you right here on the air. Professor, you're down, uh, on the countdown is at what, 28 now? 28, but I'm uh, kind of anxious to get going and there's not much sense, so I think I'll skip right along to five. All right, and I presume you'll have to do the rest of the counting once you're inside the satellite. So we'll say goodbye to you, sir, and hope that it is successful. I might say, ladies and gentlemen, I feel as my father... W.W. Ballou must have felt when he covered the Wright Brothers' first flight. Three. This feeling of being a part of history as Professor Groggins prepares to blast off. Blast off. I I must... And there he goes, up, 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 14, 15, 16 feet on the nose. He seems to be having a little trouble in guiding the sphere. There's a barn... Uh, off to one side, at least 20 feet tall, and uh, he did uh, hit the broad side of the barn, and uh, the satellite is just uh, stuck there. Uh, the professor is looking out the door now. What happened, professor? I hit a barn. Yes, we could observe that from here. His first comment was, I hit a barn, ladies and gentlemen. Are uh, you hurt? No, sir, I... Pretty good. Uh, of course, I'll have to put this thing together again. Uh, it seemed to collapse like balsa wood, Professor. Yeah. Well, what is that made of? Uh, well, folding chairs mostly, and some balsa wood, like you say. Uh huh. But uh, I'm a little discouraged. I think you. Uh, well, I am too. I'd hope to be covering a, a monumental event here, and you did get into orbit for a few seconds, uh, albeit uh, at 16 feet. And uh, maybe if uh, you had a little more altitude, it might be more practical. Can't hardly tell yet, but uh, I'll think about it. The professor is not one to be... I think my big mistake was skipping in the countdown. The professor now now, uh, is crawling out of the the wreckage. Pieces are falling to the earth some 12 or 11 feet below. And he is once again ground-born. We'll be following up this story in later weeks, but for now, this is radio's fair-haired Wally Ballou returning it to our main studio. intrude on your tranquil mood here, but um, you know, we're running out of time and I have to kind of tell you what's going on or you won't know, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see, we started out with another word from the Fireside Theater, George Carlin. Uh, just a bunch of random stuff and I was surprised at how clean that was. What do you think, huh? The quest for Bridie Hammerschlagen was of course Stan Freeberg and his beautiful sidekick June Foray. Well, 
owner of one of the sexiest voices in Hollywood. Second sexiest, I'd say, after Elaine May. We heard Elaine May and Mike Nichols interrupted our. I think she has the sexiest voice in the universe. And I just found out that a friend of mine is personal friends with her. Holy shit. Uh, Andy and Cleopatra was, of course, the late Andy Griffiths uh, from 1964. From 1959, we heard Kenneth Williams uh, from Britain, not the NASP. Um, Every record ever recorded from Mr. Robert Klein. The music teacher was Dudley Moore and Peter Cook. Um, I'm not sure which album that was from. I'm sure that's from the the Absolute Filth album, but uh, this one sounded reasonable. Uh, The Swiss Astronaut was Tim Conway and Gulordi again. Uh, They had a couple albums out of uh, pretty clever stuff, I thought. Anyway, I'll, I'll bring you more in, in the good old days to come, okay? And then, let's see, Bob and Ray. Couldn't have a show on comedy without Bob and Ray. So that was uh, Professor Grogan's Satellite. Um, and we'll just have to see what happened with that uh, coming up in the future. I, I have a dim idea about what he's up to. Anyway, all right, we're up. We're done. A um, couple more for you, as always. And... Um, that's about that about covers it. I, uh, I, uh, I, 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 I will see you next week, and you will see me next week. You're hearing me next week, and I will hear you. I will not hear you. I will see you. I will feel you. I will caress the feeling. All right. All right. Later. Divorce isn't everything. It surrounds us. Binds us together. It's in the rock. The car. Your boner on the subway. That nice hoochie's ass in those tight leather pants. The kind you just want to smack and go, Pyow, bitch. <coughs> Sorry. Was I out of character, George? <coughs> Sorry, I messed up. We're going to take you folks now to a mysterious happening. The lights go down. And it was a windy evening. Oh, shut up. I couldn't stand it, this large hill. In a great big house. I snuck up there. Snuck I looked up and I could see the windows flapping with the wind. Some were flapping backwards. Some little tiny shutters. Some shutters weren't flapping at all. We walked up there and knocked on the massive oak door. What was that? Me going... It's the door, dum-dum. Thought you stepped on a cat. Could be. Hey, look, a huge room. Call out, Pete. Anybody in there? Anybody home? Hello? Oh, oh, oh. Quiet, quiet. I'll, well, I'll call. Yeah, call. Well, we're going on a call. Anybody in here, in there? We, we've come, come to visit. It's so dark. Yeah, sure, sure. Let's talk more quiet. quiet. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, look. There, there. The furniture. Shh. Sorry. 
This is William Petey Blatter. Mr. Blatter, this is Mr. Hitler. Oh. Hi, welcome to hell. It's a nice place to visit, but I certainly hated to die here. <laughs> well, that's enough for now, Adolf. I'm going to take Mr. Blatter on the newcomer's tour. Uh, get me a sweater, will you? A sweater? Just doing my part for the energy crisis. Uh, I lowered the thermostat four degrees to 3,702. It's a little chilly here now, but it won't be for long, you know. Sooner or later, I'll have all the oil company executives down here. What will their punishment be? They'll spend eternity sitting in a car, waiting in line to get some gas. Well, what if they won't do it? We'll take them to court and win easily. After all, we expect to be getting a lot of big lawyers soon. <laughs> Well, here's your sweater, sir. Thank you, Adolf. Thank you. Now get back to your room and lay down on some live grenades. <laughs> yes, sir. Come on, Blatter. I'll show you around. Oh, please, sir. This is horrible. These flames are hot and everything is so hideous. It looks like Philadelphia. <laughs> well, who are these men? These are the advertising executives who have passed on and been sent down here. Their punishment is to spend the rest of eternity floating in a small boat inside a toilet tank. Oh, oh that's horrible. Please, Mr. Devil. This is Jolie. Let me out. This is Jolie. Let me go to heaven. This is Jolie talking to you. What's Al Jolson doing in hell? Oh, once in a while, even I can make a mistake. Master. Please, Master, please, I had a 10.30 appointment. Shut up and keep sitting. You see all these men, Blatter? They were doctors. 
But now they must spend eternity sitting in a waiting room with nothing but a five-year-old issue of popular mechanics to read. <laughs> Shall we move on? Over here, you may notice, this is one of my favorite groups, the used car salesmen. They're doomed to spend an eternity pushing a sensational deal up a hill. Yes, yes, quiet, quiet. Over here are the newspaper delivery boys. Every morning, they're taken out stark naked and thrown into the bushes. Oh. Please, no more. Oh, this is just the beginning. You'll be getting to the politicians soon. What do you do to them? Well, we keep promising to send them to heaven and then break it. <laughs> and there's the life insurance salesman. They just wander around aimlessly giving calendars to each other because everybody down here is already dead. <laughs> and then there's repairmen. We keep telling them that they can go to heaven next Tuesday. No more. Please, no more. Tell me, what fate do you have in store for me? Oh, yes, I thought you'd never ask. Well, you know your book, The Hexorcist? The one you worked and slaved over and poured your heart out to write? Yes. Well, they're going to make it into a TV series starring Robert Reed and Shirley Jones and Ricky Nelson. Oh, no, no! Yes. And Donna Reed and Sebastian oh. Cabot and Gail Storm and Brian Keith and Annette Funicello and Bill Bixby and Elena Verdugo! Oh. 